The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Yo, 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 and welcome to another edition a play-in postseason-ish edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation like the intro says from the jump. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Pretty simple there, y'all. Not just your fantasy basketball, not just your betting tips. We don't only have football and now baseball. We also have general NBA coverage, such as this show, by yours truly, and that's not even all we have. Listen, y'all, we are expanding. We have team pods. We have general NBA content. We have general baseball, football content, gambling sides on all of that. Just check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Take advantage of all that we have to offer there. Also, listeners, while you are there, please, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than competition and provides more analysis as well. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. Listen, y'all, we are playing time. That's right, seven and eight. And the 9 and 10 of the East and West are going to clash to figure out who can take those final two playoff spots in each conference. We have four teams going into battle. Not tonight, but over the next two days. We have the um, Minnesota Timberwolves and Los Angeles Clippers. We have the Charlotte Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets. And we have the San Antonio Spurs and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, They are the most fun to me because one of those teams should even be there on account of the Lakers hopefully trying to have made at least a playing spot, if not the actual playoffs. But, of course, we all know how they crashed and burned in spectacular fashion. And, like, before we even get into the playing games, we have to talk about the Lakers a little bit more. Listen, I'm a Lakers fan, so it's not a whole, like... Mess is difficult for me to talk about them, but they had their media day. They had their media day. Uh, this was yesterday. You know, it's over. Everybody want to wash your hands from the season as soon as possible. You had LeBron have like a 9 o'clock um, time to do his exit interview, and there was like a four-hour gap between him and any other player, although you did have... Um, some of that time eaten into because you did have Rob Polinka come and speak to the media on account of firing Frank Vogel in just disrespectful fashion. However, it was um this was this was this was interesting. It was it was a mess. It was a mess. You had LeBron kinda of talk about, hey listen, you know, I gotta control what I can control. So he didn't really was able to speak about Frank Vogel or anything juicy for that matter. Just about getting healthy and hey, if the team is the way it is when he comes back, great um, he'll play with that, if not, fine, like, basically, he's open to whatever, couldn't talk about an extension on account of the new CBA, which I thought was hilarious, because we know good and darn well that extension talks have either been happening or have not been happening, so that was a thing, um, you had Russell Westbrook come on after 
LeBron a couple hours later, just setting the world on fire, basically, in terms of, hey, they said let Russ be Russ, but we all know that wasn't the case, right? Like, I really didn't get a chance to be myself, the guy I know I was capable of. I wasn't able to help this team the way I should have. People were coming for me. It wasn't fair. You know, it was it was the pity party. And I'm not going to lie, as a Russell Westbrook fan, I was kind of disgusted. Like, dude, take some accountability. It was a bad season for you. Yes, some undue attention went your way, and that's understandable, but, like, this wasn't a good season for you, just admit that, but, nah, he couldn't do that, uh, Frank Vogel had a problem with him, he didn't know why, because he had brought, like, a bottle of champagne for him and his, and his wife, uh, for their anniversary, which, while cool, definitely cool, um, come on now, Frank did go to bat to you for you, especially when reports came out that other members of the Lakers organization wanted to bench you, to prove a point that maybe you would get a fire under you and try to play better, because that makes sense, like we're in the 1980s, point being, it was very weird, it was very weird, honestly, the benching probably made sense, I just didn't like the motivation for it, like, I'm, I'm sure he's trying to play hard, maybe the benching would have shown him that, hey, like, there are no sacred cows here, and if that's what they were doing, then sure, but aside from that, wasn't the biggest fan of that theory. Um, but no, Russ was just unapologetic, let the world know, hey, listen, I ain't get a fair shake. I mean, that's whether or not you think he did, that's what Russ said. So you had that happen. Malik Monk came, said, listen, I liked being in L.A., thank goodness for that. I was comfortable there. Uh, basically, had no problems with anybody wanting to win. And that, listen, like, the fit is most important for me first, and then the money second, which, like, Heck yeah, okay, let's make it happen, you know, um, that's what he said there, so you had, uh, words from Malik Monk, you had Stanley Johnson, kind of talking about, hey, you know, things could have been better, but I'm gonna try to get back in the lab, um, all of this, Dwight Howard feels he has a couple more years than him, wants to stay with the Lakers, say he doesn't want to leave, um, and that he was playing solid, and he did, you had Carmelo Anthony, who almost made it kind of clear that this is kind of a stop for him. Like, I doubt he's coming back to the Lakers next year, much to my chagrin. But he was like, hey, I was able to check off a box. I played with Braun. That happened. I played with AD. That happened. Like, now we, we continue, wherever that is, which he didn't say, but we'll see. So, it was just weird. Because you did have the horrible way the Lakers treated Frank Vogel. The horrible way. I mean, right after a win, one of the few times he was able to say that, right? Uh, much less a back-to-back win, which was even one of the more rare times since, what, January? Uh, where you have Austin Reeves go off for a 30-point triple-double. You have Malik Monk go off for a career-high 41. Like, this should be a feel-good moment. And as he's leaving the court, we'll just putting a tweet about how Frank Vogel's coached the last game for the Lakers. So then, of course, all the reporters are circling, like vultures, which I'm not saying is negative. I'm just saying that's what they're doing. To Frank Vogel asking him, does he know he's coached his last game? Of course he doesn't know he's coached his last game. They, didn't, they He was like, hey, I haven't told anything. I'm just trying to enjoy this win. Meanwhile, swirling all night long were the rumors about him coaching his last game. Then the next day, what do we see? He was let go. So I just feel like that whole thing was a mess. Uh, Rob Link came on and was like, hey, uh, we don't give in to substantiated media reports. But, like, come on, Rob. You did not play that well. You look shysty as all get out. Basically saying that, you know, the roster construction's on me. Okay. Box of another year. Did the gym the gym bus. All right. You know, basically like if everything fails on him, uh Lakers exceptionalism, yada yada yada. Like it was a mess. It took a lot of the day in terms of just how much of a dumpster fire it looked to symbolize the perfect dumpster fire of a season for the Lakers. And one of the most disappointing seasons they've had ever. Just relative to expectation and how far they fell. Ever. So that was a thing. Uh, just had to talk about that. 
Uh, and then seal the deal on this Lakers team because, like, please. It was a season of ridiculousness. So, moving right along, um, we're going to talk some playing games. That's right. We have two. We have the Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers in a game that should be very fun. And, of course, we have the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and, oh, and the Charlotte Hornets. That's actually tomorrow. We'll talk. We'll preview that game tomorrow. We actually have the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers today. Um, and that should be a fun one. Early tip for Cavs and Nets. Uh, Pacific time, that's 4 o'clock. And Clippers and Timberwolves at 6.30. Waste no time playing no games. These games are going to be early. But looking at the Nets, first, um, Brooklyn obviously sustained a ton of injury to Kevin Durant. You had Kyrie Irving on a part-time sort of status for some of it as well. So that's why the Nets fell to where they have. They're the seventh seed, whereas the Cavs were surprising for most of the season. You know, they had a Twin Towers lineup with uh, rookie Evan Mobley and, you know, a still early newcomer Jared Allen really finding his role. Darius Garland came into his own as well as an all-star. Um, they really vibed well. You had these uh, untrad- these untraditional Big man lines by J.B. Bickerstaff that really wreaked havoc. Uh, brought a lot of size on the front line and, and made it difficult for a lot of teams. Uh, it was a funky kind of group. Kevin Love off the bench was great. Like, these young Cavs expect to be focused on ping pong balls. But this young squad showed some real talent. And, and here they are possibly having a postseason appearance. And then, of course, Brooklyn expected to be at the very top. Have this whole week off. We see how things went. So Cleveland will go to Brooklyn today for the 7-8 playing game. The winner will enter the playoffs as the number 7 seed, and they will take on the Boston Celtics. The loser will host the second playing game Friday against the winner of the Hornets or Hawks. So it's neither win or go home for either of these teams, uh, but both teams would obviously like to win and move on. So there are some notes here to bring out for certain that we kind of need to run into here. This one is probably the most important one to me, but who guards Kevin Durant? Who guards Kevin Durant? Because the Cavs have had a few people on him. Um, they have thrown Lawyer Markin in around. They've had uh, Dean Wade on him at times. Evan Mobley. Uh, I'm sure Karis LeVert will get some run. But Lawyer Markin is not a good defender. Got some size. Can move his feet pretty well. But it's Kevin Durant. And that's the first thing to establish in this matchup. Like, Kevin Durant's going to get his regardless. But... Especially if you don't have a guy that's really going to stick him. Uh, Lamar Stevens, Isaac Okoro are probably going to get some touch, um, some defensive possessions on Durant. But, like, Durant's significantly taller than both of them. So, Stevens more so than Okoro, but still. Evan Mobley um, has the length and definitely can move his feet a little well. And is a much better defender than Marketing. But the Cavs are probably going to have him under the basket focus more on rebounding, even if he might get pushed around by Andre Drummond, like to be more of a backline protector uh, around the rim. So that's something there. Karis LeVert is not a great defensive person. And then don't let Durant go into a two-man game action. Like, you get him in a two-man action with Kyrie or Steph Curry, Seth Curry, excuse me, like, yikes, as far as a matchup for the Cavs. Nobody has the answer to stop Durant. Miami has some players, Boston has some players, but Cleveland, they don't. So if Durant has a huge game. I uh, needed 36 points the last time they matched up. Ah, that could be curtains for Cleveland. Also, 
both teams are, are, are battling without players. Obviously, Ben Simmons is not uh, available for Brooklyn. Uh, Seth Curry not 100%. You know, they've had guys who've been in and out. The Cavs are missing a really big person, uh, both literally and figuratively, for their defensive lineup, and that's Jared Allen, their center. Uh, he is out for this game, still recovering from his broken finger. The Cavs have been without Allen since he was injured on March 6th, and they've gone 7-11 and without him, 3-8 and in their last 11 games. Uh, not having that traditional big man to slow down uh, other bigs for you know opposing teams has been, has been detrimental to, to Cleveland. Last Friday's game against the Nets, Andre Drummond had 15 points and 12 rebounds. Nobody could slow him down while also protecting the paint. Allen was that anchor for the defense, and it's obvious that the Cavs miss him. Uh, Cleveland should be able to score. Darius Garland leads a really good offense. Brooklyn's defense, not that crazy. I mean, they're really not. Like, getting enough stops against Brooklyn is going to be the challenge. And honestly, I don't know if Cleveland is up to the task. Uh, but it's going to be a nice kind of back and forth. I do like the the kind of war of contrast here. Because if you look at the Brooklyn Nets team, you have guys who know what playoff basketball is, guys who have rings and have been in the NBA for decade plus. You have Durant. You have Kyrie Irving, who's going to have a big game, I think. You have Patty Mills. And then if you look at Cleveland, there's Garland's first... Uh, this is even postseason. This is Garland's first post-ish season experience. Evan Mobley is still a very much a rookie, probably rookie of the year, but still. Uh, Scotty Barnes might have something to say. Markin has never been a playoff game, and Karis Avert's played in just nine playoff games. Only guy who's really had some deep playoff experience um, for the Cavs is Kevin Love, who might play. Remember, we talking about defense. Kevin Love's not giving you that, but he will be able to give you that veteran experience. Will be able to shoot the ball, so you do have that. Um, but that's it. The Nets have been here, done that. Like, they know what they're doing, and Cleveland is not. I think it'll be fun for Cleveland, you know? Get that intensity under the belt, see if they can kind of stick in with this Nets team. And if they lose this game, it's not the worst thing in the world because, again, they will be playing, again, either the winner of the Hornets and the Hawks, and I think that I like their odds a lot better against either of those teams. As it stands here, I think this game will be close until about third quarter. I do think Brooklyn will pull away. I have Brooklyn winning by about 12. Um, in Cleveland, they will just play again on Friday and hope to um, host the game in the land and get the W there. For Wolves and Clippers, it's going to be fun. Um, Minnesota really has played surprisingly strong all year. Um, remember Anthony Edwards in his sophomore season, Carlton Towns and Angela Russell really getting their first full year playing together. New coach Chris Finch has really helped stabilize his team on both sides of the ball. And Pat Beverly, you know, coming over from, well, the Clippers, but Memphis specifically, I guess, uh, has been a big boost for them as well. They have this defensive style. Um, offensively, they're amazing, but defensively, they're stout as well. They've set the tone. But they have other guys who come in just fine. Jared Vanderbilt, um, Jay McDaniels will come in and play great as well. Malik Beasley off the bench. This is a solid group. Meanwhile, the Clippers, man, the Clippers are just this really deep, really steady uh, playoff-tested lineup. They've had Paul George back for a couple, uh, couple weeks now. Uh, really still getting his groove back, you can kind of tell. But at the end of the day, this team has been strong all year long. And you can definitely tell that. Um... Again, Reggie Jackson's been a catalyst 
for the success of the Clippers for most of the year uh, because you haven't had Paul George for a lot of the year. You haven't had Kawhi Leonard all season. They did get Norman Powell and Robert Covington at the trade deadline for basically peanuts, but you have Marcus Morris. You have Terrence Mann. Amir Coffey's played a lot bigger minutes. Isaiah Hartenstein, one of the best passing big men out there. Don't forget Avicii Zubac, Nicholas Batum. They have a lot of 6'8 kind of guys that are solid veteran bangers in terms of hey we know postseason success we know how to play uh and we're, we're good we're, we're, we're comfortable in who we are coached by a guy in tyloo who is the epitome of comfortable in where we are so minnesota um they ended the regular season with a 46 36 46 35 record they finished in the seventh spot in the west they were trying to get a succeed but denver did hold out los angeles on the other hand finished with a 41-40 and 40 record near the AFC in the Western Conference. Doesn't mean a whole lot, because yeah, although the Timberwolves are slightly better than Los Angeles, the matchup for Los Angeles is interesting. Um, and can cause the Wolves some problems, potentially. Just with their length and size across multiple positions. The same general length and size, but also the physical profiles of all those guys to hold up against you know, putting some size on D'Lo. Putting um, some size and length on Anthony Edwards. Putting some um, length and let's be able to absorb a, a couple of blows down low from Carly Towns. Like, get under his skin and frustrate him. The Jimbo's and Clippers met four times during this past season. Clippers won three games to one. Not a whole lot to take out of that, though. Uh, D'Angelo Russell wasn't available for some. Uh, Los Angeles didn't have Paul George available for some. It, it was a, it was a bit of a mess between the three. And three of those games came in like the first third of the season. Like, within, like, a week and a half. So, not a whole lot to pull from that in terms of how it can apply to this playoff series now. The last time they met, the Wolves won 122-104. Anthony Edwards had a game-high 28 points. Uh, But, again, the Los Angeles Clippers didn't have Paul George. So, kind of a big deal. That'll happen today. Um, Injuries. Luke Kennard is tore by hamstring, probably not going to play. Kawhi Leonard is not going to play. Jason Preston and Jay Scrub, all on the Clippers side, are not going to play. Timberwolves are fine on the injury report, so we'll see how it goes. I think the big thing is how will the Clippers contain Cat that is pivotal, pivotal, uh, cannot speak, I'm sorry, that's pivotal for the Clippers' success. Um, Cat obviously has been a monster. You know that on smaller guys, he can go in the post. You know on bigger, slower guys, he can drive right by them or space them out deep for three. Like, the guy's an offensive talent. Try to send a double team. That can force him to some turnovers for sure, but the guy can also pass out enough to make you rethink that strategy. At the same time, yeah, maybe the Clippers don't have that one shutdown guy between Avicii Zubac and Isaiah Hartenstein, but they can throw Robert Covington on Cat, who's had some success. They can put Nicholas Batum on Cat, who is the same type of physical profile as Covington. You know, they can throw different looks. They can maybe do a couple of doubles. They can, you know, maybe send some different looks and sneak Zubac in um, to make things difficult for Cat. Like, they can frustrate him, and, and if they can get him into foul trouble... Uh, and this will be offensive fouls because I don't the, either of the centers on the Clippers are going to force Cat into fouling. Then I think they can really start to chip away at at the at the head of the Wolves' attack. What they get from D'Lo for Minnesota will be important. What Pat Beverly gives them in terms of having that experience, knowing how the Clippers play, and also maybe not losing his head and getting kicked out or anything would also be big. And how will Anthony Edwards play? I am very interested in seeing how that happens uh, in his first again. Not really postseason uh, platform, but sort of. Like, he's going to play within himself, be calm, cool, and collected. 
Um, or is it going to be one of those games where he's going to try to find a rhythm he doesn't have, shoot himself into a game that is not very good? Also, how do you stop Paul George if you're the Clippers? You know, defensively, I think Minnesota, the way that they play, they will force turnovers. Uh, the Clippers are not a very good first-quarter team, uh, but the Wolves are not a very good third-quarter team. So I think there'll be some balance in between those two quarters there to make it tough. But Paul George, man, you know how he can get one of the premier players in the league, and that is for a reason. Who do you throw on him that makes things difficult? Pat Bev can probably give him a little bit of run, but he is a little bit smaller. Um, as far as, like, McDaniels and, and, and Vanderbilt, um, you know, these other wing-sized guys, Anthony Edwards, like, Paul George is still probably going to score his points pretty easily in that matchup. So the, the, the key, like, this is simple, but for the Wolves would be containing Paul George. But as Paul George and Carl Anthony Towns go, I think it's how these two teams go uh, tonight. I'm not sure where I go. This is so close to like a pick 'em type thing for me that I am absolutely torn. I want to give the edge to Minnesota because they are at home, and home does matter. And then the Clippers would, of course, just play the winner of the Spurs versus Pelicans, um, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But I feel like the Clippers are just the type of matchup to give Minnesota issues, but you know what? What the heck? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go Wolves by like five. I'm going to say that D'Angelo Russell is hot from three. Cat does just enough. We've seen the Wolves in these in this in this position before in the 2017-2018 season when they had to have a win to, to kind of close it out. Mind you, different unit, all of that, but Carly Towns was the one common thread, uh, and I'm sure you can get this team motivated and ready to go. So I'm going to go Timberwolves by five. I don't totally like it, but we'll see where that goes. But yeah, going to be a really fun set of games tonight or later on this evening. I am pumped. Uh, again, y'all, tomorrow is the second pair of playing games, the Hawks and the Hornets, and then, of course, the Pelicans and the Spurs. We will break that down and talk about that tomorrow uh, while recapping these two games tonight. But that will do it here for us on Roundball Ramble. Again, follow me, please, if you will, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Please make sure once again to check out that Fantasy BK, uh, Ethos Fantasy BK as well. And while you were at it, one last thing go to Manscaped.com. We still got a code from our old Hoopball days, but it's fine. Hoopball20 is the coupon code. Use it, get 20% off your order and free shipping. And while you're at it, check out our pals at MyBookie.com. Use the code HoopBall on the third page of Sign Up to Unlock Deposit Match bonuses there as well. Listen, y'all, I really appreciate y'all rocking with me this morning, hanging out, um, looking at these games. should be a lot of fun. I am very pumped to watch some postseason-ish action. Uh, but until tomorrow, y'all, I am Frosty. Y'all, say Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all then. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.